Welcome to Prima's 2021 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education at Prima. On this Prima podcast, James Kirby will discuss diversity, equity, and inclusion practices in the workplace. James is the risk manager for the Las Vegas Valley Water District. We will also be joined by Prima's education coordinator, Taekwon Gilbert. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast, James. Oh, thanks for having me, Taekwon. I appreciate it. No problem. So for starters, uh, I know it's a pretty broad question, but what is your general opinion regarding diversity and inclusion? You're right. That is a very broad question. I just think as a society, we have a lot of work to do. There's a lot of talking at each other and not enough talking to each other. And one of the things that I find interesting, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I've listened to a couple diversity webinars over the past couple months, and both of the panels were completely African-Americans. And I just don't understand to try to overcome this sort of issue I think you need diverse thought. I think you need diverse panels to hear multiple perspectives. I think if you just focus on one perspective, although the perspective that is being outlined or portrayed is very valid, I think you need that counterbalance if you're going to move forward and get a better handle on how we're going to really tackle the issue of diversity and inclusion in the future kind of alluded to one experience you've already had, but what have been some more experiences that you've had with regards to diversity and inclusion throughout your career? Well, it seems throughout my 30-year insurance career from a diversity and inclusion perspective, we're making some progress, but it's very slow progress. I look at myself, I'm African-American, I'm the director of risk management for my organization, and I'm part of the senior management team. So we can't say we can't get there. It just takes us a lot longer it seems to get there. The question in this current state is, what does it take for us to get there? And early in my career, I had a mentor who advised me if I wanted to advance in this industry, I needed to get my MBA plus every designation that's possible and then hope to see if I get a chance. And that just brings me to some discussions I've had with some of my Caucasian counterparts and their experience has been different. You know, they've been told if you work hard, all of the designations aren't as necessary and you just need to make connections and just work hard and you'll get there. So I think the playing field, from my experience, definitely isn't even. And that's something we need to work on going forward as an industry. Got it. You already touched on uh, race just a slight bit. So what are your overall thoughts regarding minority advancement in the workplace as it pertains to not only just race, but gender and other um, social groups? I think, in my opinion, there's two key components to this. You have networking and you have opportunity. And first, I'll, I'll talk about networking, and I'll just give this with a story. I went to an insurance conference, not last April, but April of 19, and I went to a happy hour that this insurance company was holding. And the first thing I noticed was, all of the people that worked for the insurance company were mostly white males that looked alike in about the same age range. And I have a really good friend who works for this insurance company, and we were talking, and he had left another company that I'm familiar with. And he said, and this just sticks in my head, he loved coming to this company because it's a lot of great guys who think alike 
and don't bring their baggage from other entities to this organization. And I just got to thinking, you know, from a diversity and inclusion perspective, okay, obviously this isn't very diverse and may or may not be inclusive, but I don't think the people who operate at this insurance company don't realize on a conscious level maybe that it's not diverse because I think they're doing what's natural to people and that's gravitating to people, you know, people who are like you and people that have the same thought. So that gets to the first point of networking. How do minorities get in that position where they're networking with these individuals so they can get those sort of opportunities to even be considered for positions? And don't get me wrong, I don't want to say that there's no such thing as racism and you know, people don't consciously do that in some cases. I just don't feel that's the majority of the cases in which that's being done. So I just want to make sure that point is clear. I do recognize that in some situations it is purposeful, but I don't think that's in all situations. But getting to my second point of opportunity, it gets back to the sort of conference environments And the insurance industry is an industry of networking. You make deals by having relationships with people, and that's how things get done. And a main way of gaining those sort of relationships is through these conferences. Now, the problem you have is that typically senior-level people are sent to these conferences. So lower-level individuals that uh, typically are minorities aren't given that access or opportunity to even begin networking. So I don't know if the industry needs to come up with some sort of separate conference where it's specifically geared to lower level people so all people can get that networking opportunity. But without the opportunity to meet and network, it's going to be very difficult to get advancement. And when I talk about advancement, I'm not talking about just advancing in your company from one level to the next. I'm talking about advancing in the industry because that's what you see the majority do. You know, the people who are not in a minority are advancing by switching companies and moving throughout the industry. With that being said, which practices do you think companies should implement to ensure that all social groups are accommodated in the workplace? Well, Taekwon, if I had the answer to that question, I'd be searching for chief diversity officers and they <laughs> would be uh, courting me for my services. So. I have an opinion, and maybe if people agree, maybe that will happen. I don't know. But I think the obvious answer is that organization needs to have a diversity council. But that's that's just the basics. Unfortunately, what I've seen is a lot of these sort of initiatives, like the diversity councils, are just a check-the-box initiative. And I don't think the workplace in the near future is going to be able to really solve this issue because we're such a litigious society and people are afraid to have open communication. And it's hard to have people understand everything that's going on if you don't have those experiences on a day-to-day basis. You know, so with that said, I I think companies will have a hard time implementing uh, policies and procedures that will make significant change. And I think the major reason for that is that we're sitting in a place of fear. And 
the work environment is a feel for environment and people have their armor on and it's very difficult for them to open up and have true frank discussions. I think what's going to have to happen is it's going to have to happen for people outside of the work environment. So the people who are in leadership positions will have to take a personal initiative to understand and have more of a diverse culture outside of work so they can truly understand relationships and have direct communication with people that they trust that are in their circle. But I think if you try to do this from a work perspective, it's going to be very difficult, you know, to have companies implement policies and procedures that don't just become checklists. I think it has to be something that's interchange and not just something that is dictated by policy or procedure. Do you have any ideas on how to operate outside of the office without that fear or sense of convenience of operating outside of a homogenous group? This suggestion came from another company that I worked at, and it's people going outside of their comfort zone. You know, let's just give an example. If you're a white person and you have a certain routine that you engage in, certain restaurants you engage in, certain things you do, maybe you go to an African-American restaurant or go and try to see a movie that you typically wouldn't seen just to get a different perspective on things. I think everything is about perspectives. And that's, that's the big fear that I have is like everyone has a perspective, you know what I mean? And I'm just going to be real with you. When, when I look at myself, when white people see me, I'm black. When the police see me, I'm black. It's a very interesting dynamic. And I think that you just have to get out of your comfort zone and you have to interact and get as many experiences as you possibly can. But if you are in a bubble and your world is in a bubble, it's very hard for you to understand what someone else is going through. You know what I mean? So without broadening your horizon and and putting yourself in someone else's shoes and actually trying to talk to someone outside of work, well, like I say, you can have real and open and honest discussions about things. And when I say open discussions, don't just agree. You got to have that dialogue. And, And I think it just gets back to what I said before is that there's too much talking at each other and not enough talking to each other. And eventually you may have to get to a point where you just have to agree to disagree, but at least you had that open dialogue and you respectfully listen to someone and you truly understand the position from where they're coming. And I think right now, and this is the fear I have, is I think some of the things that are going on is because it's politically correct. You know, and once the environment changes, will things shift back to where they were? Because it's not a, a true heartfelt shift. It's a dollar sign shift. It's, it's a short term thing. You know what I mean? It's something where we don't want the brand backlash. So we're doing this, you know, so it, it's kind of a, a balancing act of do you keep applying the pressure? If the pressure stops, what happens? You know, versus if you get people to truly understand from a heartfelt perspective, that that's the true way to, to make the change, in my opinion.
So, James, do you have any closing remarks regarding diversity, equity and inclusion that we may not have addressed? Yeah, for me, and I think this is the point I want to make is that we can't tackle this issue in a box. You know what I mean? And like I said earlier, I just think it's interesting. We talk about diversity and inclusion and wanting to have a cross perspective of things. But then when you see these webinars and you don't have a diverse, inclusive panel talking about the issue, I don't think you can resolve the issue. I, I, and like you say, don't get me wrong. I think both of those panels were great. Both of those panels brought out a lot of important ideas. But if you just have the people who are already experiencing those ideas, for the most part, participating, then it becomes more venting than solutions. And I guess just from risk management, I want to get to the point where I don't have to vent anymore. I can get to the point where we can start tackling solutions. And the only way to tackle solutions is if you do these sort of panels, I would like to see white CEOs and C-suite people talking about these issues with, you know, minorities at, at different levels. So you have people who are in the position of making these sort of changes, giving perspective, and people who feel maybe disenfranchised, giving them perspective, both being respectful, but just understanding the positions that each side is coming from. But again, the problem you're going to have with that situation is the fear, I would believe, the people who are the CEOs or in the C-suites would feel to be open and honest. You know what I mean? So we have to first get over that hurdle. And I think that's the biggest struggle where people can be completely open and honest about their thoughts and feelings regarding this topic. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks to our speaker and all of our listeners. Please visit the Prima website to hear other Prima podcasts, view upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about other Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have an amazing day.